following audio transmission was received from an unknown radio source within the northeastern region of the continental United States. The radio signal has been deciphered from a secret broadcasting facility and is now being transmitted to your listening device. This is the Nostalgia Cafe. And welcome back to the greatest memories of your childhood, the Nostalgia Cafe, the only place on earth where you can travel back in time and have an espresso. I am Dan Morrow. I am Sam Sytels. Sam, David Newell. First, he's the one who sparked this whole show, man. We we owe a lot to this guy. Um, This is Mr. McFeely. Yeah. Mr. McFeely. We had such a great conversation with with this gentleman. Um... Just a sweet man. What did you get out of this? Well, David Newell, straight from Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, is exactly how uh, I thought he was going to be. Times ten. I mean, you're an educator. I'm a professional educator, and I professional. Uh, uh, <laughs> gotta say it like that, man, mm-hmm. because I put my heart and soul into that profession. So I look to guys like David Newell and Mr. Rogers as inspiration. And you got everything. You wanted to get out. He blew me away. The nicest guy in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So gracious. And he was able to answer. We were, we had enough questions to ask him, but then we wound up scraping the, but we were scrambling for questions because we had so much time with him and he didn't want it to end. (laughs) No, we didn't want it to end. It was, it was that great. And we hope you enjoy it as much, as much as we enjoyed it. Here it is. Our conversation with the one and only Mr. McFeely. Hello, David Newell. Yes, David Newell here. (laughs) Yes, Yes, this is Dan. And this is Sam. How are you? I'm okay. uh, Where are you located? New Jersey. Oh, okay. How is the reception? I'm I'm on my landline, which I think is better. Uh, Mm -hmm. You broke up a little bit there, but how does it sound from your end? You sound amazing. Okay, now you're breaking up a little bit, but if it's okay, Am I really? uh, it's all right with me. Would you like us to try to call you right back? Yeah, well, I, I, you, if it records okay, I'm all right. Yeah, but, you sound uh, great. It, it's recording can... great. Okay. All right. Now, when you, when you, how were you, how is your voice sounding, though? My voice sounds great. It's, it's recording all the audio fantastic. Okay, let's let's try it. Um, I, where do we begin? Well, you did you think your legacy, the the whole Mister Rogers neighborhood legacy, would last as long as it has? You started not just as an actor, but as someone who was hitting the pavement, hitting the phones, looking for sponsors with this young unknown named Fred Rogers. Next thing you know, many years go by. And the props and costumes that you were throwing around in the studio are now pieces in in the Smithsonian, <laughs> and and in the museum and in the museums. Well, you know, the, the program started before I was on it, and the history of it. I'll go into that a little bit because people don't know that actually Mister Rogers' Neighborhood began in Canada on the CBC. That's where it originated. 
However, before that, Fred Rogers is in Pittsburgh. That's his hometown. He was in New York City working for NBC. Heard that public television was coming on the air in Pittsburgh. He wanted to be a part of it, and he left NBC, and they said, you're crazy. You know, you're on the the ladder to be promoted. Why are you going back to Pittsburgh? He said, that's what I want to do. And he went back to Pittsburgh, started on the first public television station in the U.S. and with a program called The Children's Corner. It lasted about seven years. He went to Toronto, got on the CBC, came back to Pittsburgh, and that's when Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, the national version of it, began in the U.S., and that was in 1967. Now, How I came to it, mm-hmm. I came to it, I was at that time, um, I was in Europe, actually, the summer of 1967. And I was coming back to Pittsburgh to start, as you said, pounding the pavements and looking for uh, a job in television and films and plan to go to Los Angeles. But I got this telephone call or telegram that Fred Rogers is starting the neighborhood national, just regional. And to make a long story short, I got the job. And here I am talking to you in 19... No, in no. <laughs> uh, I hate to break it to you, David, but it's 2021. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, David, um, yes. my, my, my name is, a, is Sam, and I'm a, a lifelong educator. You and Fred are, are huge inspirations to me, and uh, I've just been studying so much about you, and I, I know that you started the show because you were supposed to be a, a props guy, right? Well, I was. When I walked into the office where Fred was at the public television station of Pittsburgh, is WQED, that's where we did it, and I met him in the conference room along with the director and producer at the time. And the job was as production assistant. And I met with Fred for about an hour, and he asked me every... He didn't really ask me that much about myself or my... Uh, life plans, we talked. That was Fred. He was interviewing. He didn't even mention the job till about an hour into the interview. And he said, well, here's the first week of scripts. And um, the job that I'm talking to you about is being in charge of props and costumes. We did 130 programs that first year. And it was my job to coordinate all of the production uh, materials, the props, the costumes, the help with the, the get the scripts ready and paste it up in the the, the tree in the castle so he'd be able to, to read them and, and then work with him behind the scenes, you know, pointing out and manipulating puppets and so forth. But as I, and he told me all of that and he then he said, uh, when do you think you can start? and and it surprised me because he didn't really say what have you done what's this about what did you do here what did you do at the the Pittsburgh Playhouse I worked in theater at the Pittsburgh Playhouse none none of that he he could read it but he didn't ask me that much about it he talked about my trip uh, to Europe I was in Europe in the summer of 67 visiting my cousin and he was telling me all about the, he loved traveling, about the time he spent in Egypt when he was a, a theological student and so forth. 
And then he then an hour goes by and he says, uh, uh, "When can you start?" So I guess uh, I passed the test. <laughs> Do you but, think? But uh, well, one more thing, and before and before I was left, he said, "Oh, by the way, I also want you to play this part <laughs> of uh, the, the delivery man, Mr. McFeely. I've written a delivery man into the scripts, and I want you to be it." Well, now, now so, at the at the time. You weren't Mr. McFeely, though. It was a different name. Oh, that's right. You're right. The, the, and I wish I had these scripts. I don't know why I didn't keep the original script. They, they may be here mm. But when he gave me the scripts, the first week of scripts, for me to start looking for the props, they, I was in the very first program, The Delivery Man. The name was Mr. McCurdy. And McCurdy was the name of the person at the Sears Robux Foundation who gave us the money to start the first year of production. Some of the money, not all of it, uh, but it was a big chunk to get started. And then the other monies came from then NET and, and other sources. Uh, but it was Mr. McCurdy. Okay, the first day of taping, I'm in my costume. I have all the puppets ready to go. I have all the props <laughs> in place. Everything was ready for that first uh, taping session. I was standing, ready to go. We hadn't done any taping yet. The the phone rang, and it was Sears Robux Foundation, Mr. McCurdy calling, saying, we wish you well on your taping. We love your concept. We love the program. We love this. We love that. However, can you please not call the delivery man Mr. McCurdy. It may be a little too much. You know, they were giving me money. They were supporting it. It may look a little too self-serving. So, <laughs> well, oh, oh, okay. Uh, I guess they, he didn't say that. That's what I think happened. Mm. But, you know, a little too much. Now, it wasn't anyway, a stretch. It wasn't uh, a stretch for him to come up with the name McFeely, obviously. It wasn't much of a stretch because he came back into the studio and he came up to me and it, it, it dawned on me that we have to get you a new name. They don't want it. Before he finished his sentence, he said, McFeely, that's your name, Mr. McFeely, because his middle name is Fred McFeely Rogers. That's his grandfather's name. He's very close to his grandfather. And so I became Mr. McFeely in about three seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and... And then we taped the first segment, I'll never forget. We taped the first segment of me delivering an armadillo. <laughs> and it it had something to do with it. The, the armadillo has armor. And it had something to do with the storyline about protection, about taking care, et cetera, et cetera. It was all woven. That whole sort of theme was woven into the script. So that's why I was delivering an armadillo. And uh, when the scene, we did the scene, and then as I left, I said, well, I have to get the armadillo back to the zoo, Mr. Rogers. And then I, we packed it up, and as I left, just off the top of my head, I said, well, speedy delivery. And, and and he said back to me, speedy delivery, Mr. McFeely. And, that, that, like, and then that stuck. <laughs> that imp- you improv that line. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, I just sort of, as if I were saying goodbye, hello. It's now, uh, what's the word? 
It's part of the uh, lexicon. Catchphrase, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like sh- shalom isn't shalom like you can use it in hello, goodbye, hey, have a nice day. My family is from Israel. <laughs> I can confirm that. Yes, hello, goodbye, and peace. Yeah, okay, I. that's interesting because I thought it meant that, and, and that's the way I use speedy delivery. You know, and I guess it comes in inflection, speedy delivery, and then... Fred would use it. Would use an off stage too, uh, uh, and sometimes when he would call me on the phone to talk about, he said, sometimes he would call the night before. He said, "Oh, I just wrote in or uh, revising the scripts, and I need to get an elephant." <laughs> <laughs> One day, he did say that one night, and and the, not a not a full grown elephant, but the Pittsburgh Zoo at the time. I don't think they'd do this now, but this was about oh, this is going back to this late 60s, they had a baby elephant and they took the elephant around to the schools uh, to show, <laughs> show children. And, and I said, well, it just so happens that the zoo, I knew that and called and was able to get him a baby elephant. I think it was just luck more than anything else. <laughs> but my point being in telling you that was when he would call, he would say, I'd say hello, and he, rather than say David or I had tried to say speed delivery, and it sort of became a catchphrase between the two of us. But uh, because the name of the company, which he already had, the name of the, in the course of the script, was Speedy Delivery. I'm a one man delivery service, and my company is Speedy Delivery. So I use it, uh, but I just thought, well, I'll throw it in. And it's. I don't know how many times I've said it over the years. <laughs> we were talking about that before this interview. We were talking about how certain celebrities, they get tired of saying their catchphrase. But here we are watching uh, your TED Talks and other things you've done over the years. And you are still saying speedy delivery like it's your first time. And we think that is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, that's that, that's true. I, I You know... I think, you know, you just said saying it for the, is this a word the first time? Well, I think that goes to how much I enjoyed and still do. You know, I still enjoy being part of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, although we're not taping new programs. We're, we're still supporting the legacy of, of Fred and his um, and his um, creation. You know, the neighborhood's still available to be seen on Amazon, and it's on PBS Kids. And, oh, now it's streaming. You can get a streaming app, uh, a PBS Kids app. And I don't know how you do that, but I'm sure you can go with <laughs> the, the app store. You can do it. Uh, but it's still available. Uh, and uh, I'm still getting mail. I, I get... Uh, envelopes of mail uh, sent to me from the office. And in fact, before you called, I was here trying to catch up on some of the mail of people. And it's coming from people who grew up with the program and who are introducing their children Mm. to the program. And as you know, uh, or maybe don't know, the, the legacy continues with Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, which is on PBS now, too. I guess you've heard of that program. Oh, I was watching Daniel Tiger all day today. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, that's... That, are you kidding or worried? No, no, I'm being 100% <laughs> serious. Yeah, he did his research. <laughs> <laughs> because we have a question. Yeah, there's, McPhe- 
We have a question from a fan. There's a on there, too. Mm-hmm. Pardon me? Yes, we have a question you, from a fan. Oh, I'm sorry. We have a question from yeah. a, uh, a friend of ours who okay. wanted, to, wanted to know how you felt about... Uh, his name is Don Swenson. But this one was actually from Freya, Freya, oh, Freya. Joy. Uh, and she asks, how do you feel about being introduced to a whole new generation of kids via Daniel Tiger? Oh, that, you know, I feel very good about it. I, you know, I don't, I'm, McFeely on Daniel Tiger is not me. That, that's, it's, but the character is McFeely. And, uh, it, and I, I love it because it's taking the, you know, a lot of elements of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and widening the circle of Fred's legacy. It, there is, the Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood is on in about 40 countries around the world. And it's, and it's I guess they, I guess they dub it, uh, into whatever language. In fact, I have a friend who lives outside of Stockholm, Sweden, and he didn't even know, one day he called saying, hey, <laughs> Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, uh, uh, Daniel Tiger's neighborhood, is on in Sweden, you know, he, and it's on in Italy and in London and throughout the world. And so Fred's legacy is, is spreading. And now there's another program being introduced based on Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, and this one's it won't come on till later in 2021. It's called Donkey Hody. You know, I don't know if you know the puppet in the program Donkey. It's the first name, and Hody, H-O-D-I-E, is the second name. But, you know, I don't know if kids will get to play on words, but <laughs> Donkey Hody and, and Purple Pan, Panda are in that, and it's mainly puppets, live-action puppets, not animation, but sort of puppets. Uh, and I don't know, I haven't seen any of it. It's been, I think they've been taping it in, uh, it's been, done in Chicago at the uh, studio in Chicago, but it's all under the auspices of the Fred Rogers Productions. So there are uh, three new programs created uh, under Fred's legacy. One is Daniel, the other is called, um, oh boy, I'm blanking. Uh, It's a live action that was taped in Toronto. It's on public television. Okay. And then this one coming up. Oh boy, I should know the name of that one. It's for older kids. It's a show on math. All right. And uh, it, it it it'll come to me. It'll come to me. I'll, I'll get it in before the evening's over. And the new one, I believe, is called Donkey Hody. So your listeners will have to check all of those out. No, it'll be. Uh, publicized when it's ready to come out. And, uh, and I think uh, the COVID has slowed down mm. all production of of shows. So it may have been planned earlier, but it'll be out this year. My point being, and you answered your question in a way, was I feel wonderful that, that what we started in Pittsburgh in 1967 is really still around and growing. Mm. And I feel wonderful to be a part of that well not only that not only that david if if i may you were your job wasn't just as an actor on the show it it seemed as if your job was almost like an assistant executive producer 
running around traveling with Fred, uh, one of the my favorite segments of all time evolved from you traveling with Fred and reading an article about a boy who hurt himself falling out of a window or something, thinking he was Superman. Mm. Yes, and and yes, I remember. I remember getting that idea. I, I can. We were in Hawaii. Fred was speaking to. Uh, it was a national organization about children, and they were having their annual convention in Hawaii, which. I bet the people didn't mind coming to that convention. But at, but at <laughs> any, any rate, we were in a t- taxi coming or going to the, to the, the uh, convention. I was reading the local paper, and I read these little, this little article that said a boy and Superman. Superheroes were big back, back then. They, they were just introducing Superman, and superheroes were just catching on. And I read the paper, the little boy had put a towel around his neck and jumped off the garage and really hurt himself, thinking that he could fly like Superman. And I said, Fred, do you think it's something that we can deal with on the program? And he consulted with the psychologist that he consulted with every week about how this could be done. And we couldn't get the rights to Superman, but we did get... Um, incredible Hulk, mm-hmm. and we did a week on on uh, the dealing with angry feelings. Mm. It ended up being that. Uh, yeah, it was such and, a great and, and segment. And he it was such a it great segment. A yeah, thing. you had Bill Bixby. You, you've seen it. Yes, yes, I, I loved Bill it. Bixby. I loved it. You had Bill Bixby, we, Lou Ferrigno. It was and, amazing. Yeah, and we did it at Universal Studios. Actually, we did it on their lunch hour. They were taping a program that day for Incredible Hulk. It was a national big program at the time. Mm-hmm. And Bill Bixby was not only in it, he was directing that segment. So that was convenient because we knew him from Pittsburgh. He had used our studio once to uh, record some of the shows that he was in. At any rate, uh, he, he was able to set aside some time for us being the director. And so he convinced Lou to, to take some time and, and help us out. And we did it in about an hour in between their lunch hours because they're very strict. You know, mm-hmm. every minute wasted in a Hollywood set, you're <laughs> spending millions of money. Right. <laughs> so they didn't have a lot of time, but we did it. And, uh, I think it was a wonderful segment, but it was my idea. And Fred, Fred would take suggestions from the staff. We would have a weekly um, programming meeting ourselves, you know, what we should do the next season. We did, the first year, we did 130 programs in black and white. Then we moved from, from 130, which was just backbreaking. That, we were in the studio almost nine months getting those. Done. And then we did we did it in color for the rest of the time. Then we did sixty five for the next maybe ten years. I'm not quite sure. Ten more than that. So, David, and they, and, pardon me. I just I have a really important question for you. 
So yes. Okay, I'm I'm a professional educator. I, I spend my entire life trying to teach the kids, and I often ask myself, "What would Fred do?" And um, you know, my my partner over here, Dan Morrow, he's a, a professional musician. I know that if he had the Beatles on here, he would be asking them some serious advice. And I, and I seriously, David, am looking at you and Fred like masters of this craft. I, I've learned so much. So many people have learned so much from you guys. And my question is this. To the other professional educators and to me and my staff and all the people working with kids, do you have any advice? Just what is the first thing kids or what what do kids need now, maybe even more than ever, that you or Fred would advise us to give to them? You know, boy, that, that's, uh, that's not an easy question. No, I know. You know the first thing is you, were, is you were saying that, what came into my mind, the first thing was honesty. Just being honest with what's happening in the world around them mm. in a way that they can comprehend. You, you can talk about uh, various subjects in different ways to different ages. You, you, that's why the neighborhood, Fred, was so good at breaking down some potentially scary times and making it something that a three, four, five, six-year-old could understand as opposed to a teenager. You know, it's developmental. And I think being honest, and Fred was, he, you know, a lot of, if you look at the neighborhood for a long period of time, you can see that Fred did beat around the bush. He talked about important topics, uh, but death. He did it, though, uh, one of the first programs, it, it has a little humorous aspect to it, and I'll tell you, and then uh, he was going to do a, a program, and in fact, he did it on death. And he said, you know what I need? Go into a fish store and, a and ask to get a few dead fish. You know, there are always a few in the tanks when you go to an <laughs> aquarium shop. And I did and he he said, now we'll put them in the... He had written the script, of course. And with a grandfather passing away, he's going to use the symbol of a fish. It got him talking about the subject. And a three-year-old can understand that. You know, uh, that's something that they comprehended. And he talked about it. It's a very sensitive program of he was very well and best appropriate. Thank you. Pardon me? Oh, yeah. He, he, it's my understanding he also did the same thing during the RFK assassination. Where, yes, but you're he, right. But he did it in a way where he wasn't speaking so much to the children as he was to the parents because it was, it was the minister side of him that was coming out. For, for yes, that moment. He had something right. to say. Yes, and you're right. And if you remember, and, and it dawned on me, but the whole program, he never mentioned the Kennedy name, Robert Kennedy's name. It was, uh, talk. I remember some of the dialogue with him. A man was airy, and he shot someone. And he talked about the word assassination. 
And that was done overnight. I remember, oh, to this day, I remember waking up in the morning. And I woke up, and I think the assassination of Robert Kennedy was late the previous evening. Mm -hmm. I didn't know about it until 8 o'clock in the morning. I woke up and heard it on the alarm clock radio. I thought, uh-oh, what, what, what? And I went into the studio, and we didn't do the we planned to do tape that day. Fred was writing a program that we did the next day. Overnight, he, he wrote a program, and we taped it that, that day in place of the one we had wow. planned. And, and it, he was up all night writing, and he was consulting with a woman who taught child development at the University of Pittsburgh. His mentor, really, her name was Dr. Margaret McFarland. Mm -hmm. And she uh, was the equivalent of Ben Spock. In fact, she was a good friend of Ben Spock and Eric Erickson. Uh, uh, and they all taught at one point at the University of Pittsburgh. Dr. Spock was a professor at the University of Pittsburgh around the same time Fred was getting his uh, master's in child development. So uh, he, he had some great uh, teachers over the years. But, you know, his, his, the greatest teacher ever he, had, he ever had, he said, were children. Mm. He learned just by observing and working with children, you can learn a lot. And going back to whatever, some advice you mentioned, the other word I thought about, well, honesty was one. Mm -hmm. And the other one I was thinking about as you were asking the question was, listen, if you just, not you specifically, if one listens to what a child is saying, how many times has your child or somebody come into the room and is starting asking questions uh, and you're on a computer or reading a paper or something. Well, my advice, although it's not that easy to do, I think it takes some training on the adult's part, is to stop what you're doing and listen to that child, what they're saying. You can, you can, it's easier said than done, I think, because you want to get on with what you're doing, but that child is saying something very important. Uh, no matter what they're saying, they're saying something very important by asking a question. So my advice was, would be to listen to what the child's saying. It may not make a lot of sense. Now, I'm talking about very, very young children, but it applies to any age, really. Mm. When someone is talking, is is to listen. And also in times and like that, these... That, hmm? Also in times like these, yeah, as Mr. Rogers would say, look for the helpers. Exactly. Look for the helpers. And his mother used to tell him that uh, when he was growing up, you know, and this was probably, he was growing up during the, I guess, the Second World War. And at that point, I don't remember much about the, the, the that, those times, but I remember that there was something going on in the world that I didn't know exactly what it was, but it was very serious. Uh, but Fred was old enough to to remember, his mother would say, look for the helpers. And now, you know, when um, what's 9-11 and all of the things that we've been through, you can't, you, you're helpless as a viewer on television seeing these disasters happening. And you can't do much. You can't do much. But you can tell children 
to look for the people who are helping others. And that's, when you think of it, that's a lesson in itself. The people are trying to help others. And you can do the best for children, I think, by letting them know that. Because uh, there'll be adults someday who in turn can help others. Uh, it's very subtle, I think, but it's, it's really a, a very good advice. Mm. We have time for uh, we have and, time for just a few more questions, and oh sure, sure. and and one of my questions yeah, I, I don't I got a little bit of trivia. Yep, you had somebody working yep. on your staff back then in the seventies and eighties who wound up becoming someone very very popular, and in fact I'd say uh-huh. bigger than the Incredible Hulk. He was actually Batman. Yes, we had running the trolley at one time in his career was Michael Keaton. Really? <laughs> Who mm-hmm. then, uh, yep, Michael Keaton, uh, his name, his real name is Michael Douglas. Uh, he's from Pittsburgh. Well, uh, the, uh, the, the outskirts of Pittsburgh. And he was a prankster. Some of, one of the seven. He was. Well, you've been doing your research. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but but Michael, I remember though, uh, backing up a little bit before the practice story. Uh, <laughs> he would uh, work on the floor crew at the station in Pittsburgh, the public television station, has a very big studio where we produced the program all those years. He worked for them and then would be assigned to our program and he ran the trolley and he ran picture, picture, but on weekends he would go to New York City, which is a, which is about a seven hour drive from Pittsburgh and 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 do play the comedy clubs, you know, book himself into the comedy club and come back. And then finally he left and went to LA and, and a, a mutual friend who worked WQED got Michael a part on Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Remember that show? Did mm-hmm. that ring a bell to you? I do, not it for Sam, but me. Show. 83. Yeah. <laughs> I, and, I remember. And, and he had a, and he was on a few of the half hour sitcoms thanks to friends that worked at QED who were now working in LA. And then, of course, he got his big break with the. Uh, Oh, his first movie with Henry Winkler. Uh, Night Shift. Oh, boy. Night Shift. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that was Michael. That, that's what he was like. He was sort of a wisecracker and a, a very, very talented actor. Oh, and another thing about Michael is one day uh, I went up, we finished taping and I went upstairs to the office. And about 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, Fred came into the office and was laughing to himself. I told him it's so funny. And he said, oh, the crew asked me to stay down in the studio. They had planned, they had written a little sketch that they wanted me to see in the little comedy sketch. And he said, it was very funny. And he said, you know, that boy, he didn't, Michael, he didn't know at that time he had just been there for a couple of months. He said, that boy, Michael, is going to be a star. (laughs) And he was right. And I never forget Fred saying that he he could uh, he had a good sense. He was a and the one other thing about him, the one thing you don't expect Fred had a wonderful sense of humor, he had a great sense of humor, and 
he, I, I think he honed it over the years of doing seven years of live television with the Children's Corner. And King Friday had a great sense of humor. I think the humor of Fred would come out in King Friday, very pompous and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 but, but Fred had a great sense of humor and he would be a great, he's a great appreciator. If you were in a show or something and performing, Fred and his wife, Joanne, were the perfect people to have in the audience because they were great, great audience members. But uh, it, 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 the years working with them, I'll never, I'll never uh, forget. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to put a book together now oh. of my years working with Fred. Uh, I don't know when I'll get it out, but I'm, there's so much to put into it. Have I, you already started writing it? In, what you, yeah, I, bits and pieces of it. You know, you, you sort of, and I'm trying to gather files that goes from my file i have i'd say at least uh oh how many file cabinets down so about 10 or 12 file cabinets of folders of appearances i've done over the years (laughs) you know i'd go around the country i i would make a folder for each appearance that i've done over the years and put everything in that folder pertaining to that appearance, correspondence, the airline ticket, everything. So I have a pretty good record of what I've done, but I didn't start doing it until well, maybe uh, I'd have double the file cabinets if I started <laughs> on day one. But I, I did a lot of traveling around to the stations, public stations, for events because Fred couldn't do it. He was in the studio all the time, and I was a lot, but I had, I could get out easier than he could. He had to be there for every taping, of course. But it was uh, a wonderful, wonderful experience uh, working on the program. It was one of a kind. It was the only job like it in the world, when you think of it. Yeah. <laughs> and David? I'm sure there are other people who had similar jobs. Yep. David, I, I'd like to yeah. thank you so you much. There? Yes, I'm going to give Sam... The last question, but before we do, I have to thank Christina Gorski with Fred Rogers Productions, who helped arrange all this for us. Yes, she did. She did a good job. She just, I just welcomed her in the neighborhood. I think she's been there only a, <laughs> a few a few months now. So, oh, really? Uh, at any rate, I hope she listens. Oh, I hope she listens to the program. She's amazing. I'll send her a link uh, to it. But I'm going to let okay. I'm going to let Sam have the last question here, and then well, we're, thank you, sir. Then, then we're going to have to have a speedy delivery sign off from you. Oh, we're going yes, to have to. I'm please. going to twist your arm. <laughs> hey, David. Oh. So, so um, first of all, yeah, I want to yeah. say uh, uh, thank you for that advice. I I always try to implement that when I'm working with the kids. I try so hard to sit and listen to every single one of them and uh it does get hard sometimes especially when you have so many students uh but from now on if i'm ever feeling like i'm in a hurry now i can have mr mcfeely's voice in my head telling me to just sit down and listen so i appreciate that that's sort of that's sort of ironic too coming from somebody who's always in a hurry supposedly (laughs) you know over over the years, though, Fred used that too. He used my being in a hurry all the time to teach a lesson. One day he had me come in and sit down and take my time, 
And that was a lesson for the children. Mm. Just sit down, take your time, and, and, and do things right. If you're in a hurry all the time, you you, you goof off sometimes. Yeah. But uh, but uh, that advice is not, that advice came directly from Fred. He was the best listener you could ever have encountered. He'd go into his office and he'd be working on something. I'd had to ask him a lot of questions over the years about different things. And he, I'd walk in and he'd stop and put his pencil down and look directly at you and, and not say, oh yeah, what, what do you want? And keep on writing. He didn't do any of that. He'd look right, you had him. You had him in that time. You had him and you got your answer. And that's what I mean. You know, and, and you felt at the time, also what I think it does for children too, when a teacher could do that, when you listen to the child speaking directly to you, it, they feel that they're, they have some worth, that they feel listened to, that what they're saying is important, because it is to them. Um, and I think that's, advice for anybody anywhere no matter on, if you're on television or not is just listen uh so important yeah i, per- I, I, I you know i'm i'm if you have any other questions i'm willing to do them Ooh, I, I got one more big one for you are you ready for this one yes all right i hope well i mean this is this is a tough one all right so david over the years you have dropped many deliveries in the neighborhood but i'm asking you out of all of the deliveries do you have one that is your favorite oh yes yes uh it's a it's a delivery of a person and that was margaret hamilton from the wizard of oz you know the wicked witch Witch? yeah yeah and her costume. We had. Pardon me. And the costume she got. Because she, she. Well, yes and no. She. She came in. We were talking about scary images, and I said, "You know, Fred, I still get people telling me because they showed the movie every year on television for years and years, and adults say I can't watch that movie. That witch and the flying monkey scared me to death as a kid. I still have a hard time watching it." And I said, Fred, is there any way that we could invite Margaret Hamilton on? Because she knew this all through her career. She would people would tell her about how much they, she scared them. And she came on in her civilian clothes. I delivered her to the door. I brought her and knocked on the door <laughs> and introduced her to Fred. It was all in the script, but nevertheless, that was the delivery. And then I left, and she we had a costume made similar to the one that they had in a movie it looked like it was close enough to get the point across and she came in her civilian clothes and was able to put the costume over what she was wearing and the hat and she did the cackle she didn't put any green makeup on or anything but and she talked about that she's an actress and one of the roles that she played was this scary witch but i'm not a scary person and they talked a lot about pretending and then we went to the neighborhood of make-believe, and she went around in the costume and talked to some of the puppets about about scary feelings and so forth. It's hard to go. But the point being that it helped a lot of children with uh, scary, scary images. That's what Fred wanted to do, because it did scare a lot of kids. 
Now and, that segment, that segment <laughs> is on YouTube, and people can watch it because I've down, I've watched it a million times, and it's so endearing. Oh, good, be- because she talks about her grandkids. We, I, I don't, and, yeah, yes, that yes. Uh, it, in fact, it came. She came. She wrote a letter to the local magazine in New York City. Um, that was part of the the local public station had a program guide. She wrote a letter to the program guide saying that she loves Sesame Street and please give Mr. Rogers a big hug for me. And I just happened to see that letter that she wrote to the editor. And she said she watched with her grandkids, the neighborhood. So I said, Fred, maybe we can invite her. And he said, if you could find Margaret Hamilton, I'll write the script. <laughs> and I found her, and he did. <laughs> and but on top of all of that, she became a good friend. Uh, she uh, would call my wife and I every Sunday evening to check in. She called herself Aunt Maggie. And when our second child was born, we have three kids who are all adults now, but when our son was born, the middle child was born, we didn't know her when, when our, our first child she knew as a four-year-old but our second came well i can't remember what year but at any rate we told her we called her and she said i'm coming to pittsburgh to see him so she lived in new york city so she picked a day i met her at the airport and i brought her to our house to to meet our son his name is taylor and I have pictures of her sitting on our sofa holding our weak old son. <laughs> but the funny part of all of that is that we, I, you know, I drove and parked in our driveway and the phone rang. And our neighbor called and said, did I just see the wicked walk into your kitchen? <laughs> well, she was still very popular. She was doing Folger commercials at that time. Yeah, or Maxwell yeah, and House. people or, knew her yeah. from that. In the Maxwell House, she was Coralie, uh, and she did that for, oh, a, a long time. Um, you know, and, and, you know, that really gave her some independence, because that that was a good gig to have, that, that Maxwell House commercial. She, she did it for, well, what, three months? I don't know, at least five years, I think. Yeah, I think she did them and as long as she could. Some, yeah, she she did. And then uh, then she toured in a musical called Little Night Music. Uh, she played the, uh, the the grandmother in that. And, and she was able to do things she loved because she was being financially rewarded through the commercials. But she was a wonderful person. Oh, what she, the people she worked with in her years on Broadway and in Hollywood, she would sit for hours and I'd just listen to her talking about W.C. Fields and Judy Garland and you know, Henry Fonda and every, Mae West, everybody she worked with. Uh, it was wonderful. And Wow. Uh, I was expecting, see, I was expecting you to uh, say an armadillo or the elephant, but you brought the Wicked Witch of the West. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and the Incredible Hulk. So, I, so yeah. I felt very rewarded myself that Fred would, uh, would take suggestions, you know, from the crew, from the staff. 
and he used a lot of mine, um, Margaret and the home and oh, so many others. Oh, one time I'll tell you this one is that, uh, I, I don't uh, yeah, know if you know the name Lynn Swan. He was Football a player. Steeler. Yeah. You do, you do, you know the name? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Well, he he worked out with the Pittsburgh Ballet. And, you know, ballet, he said ballet is harder to do than football, the workouts. <laughs> but he would work out, along with his other Steeler workout, he'd work with the Pittsburgh Ballet. And so I said, Fred, wouldn't it be great if we could do a sequence with Liz Swan working out with the Pittsburgh Ballet dancers? Just to take and break a stereotype, you know, uh, here's Lynn Swan, a football star, working with ballet dancers. What more could you want to help the cause of dance and ballet, you know, and to have Lynn Swan work out to show the discipline in the sport and in the dance? Things like that. And Fred did. We, we had him on and we showed Lynn Swan doing ballet workouts with the with the, uh, the the court of ballet so uh so a lot of those ideas were mine and a lot some other people on the staff but fred was always receptive to to the staff he would always listen and take what we said and then adapt it along with the psychologist that he consulted with so everything was was done in for the, it was age appropriate for that young child, the preschooler, not a twelve year old, but a preschooler. They, they were, it was geared right to that age group, very appropriate age. And I think I think Mrs. McFarland is a, is an unsung hero in all, in all of this. Cause, oh my yes, because she she really oh, helped him. Yes. How was your opinion of he, Tom Hanks's portrayal oh, of Fred? Good question. Oh. Yeah, that is a good question. And, you know, he didn't try to be Fred. He didn't do an impersonation. That was not... But he, I think he got the essence. He was trying for the essence of Fred. Mm. And when you watch the movie, you... Especially people who... I knew Fred so well that, you know, I could tell it was Tom Hanks, of course. And I don't think Tom Hanks was was trying to be Fred. He, but he was trying to to capture the essence of Fred and the kindness of Fred and the intelligence of Fred and the, the, the drive that Fred had. To, the essence, I think. He, He's basically what he I do in that. the classroom every day. Pardon me? He's I basically doing what I do in the classroom what? every day, try to bring Fred Rogers into these kids' lives, that attitude, that yeah. aura. No, you're you're right. Uh, that that's a very good uh, example because you aren't being Fred, but you're taking you're taking his his approach. And I think Tom Hanks understood understood Fred. You know, at, at first he didn't get it. Yeah, I remember in interviews he mm. would say uh, that he didn't quite understand the neighbor because he was in his. Oh, it was teens when Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood came on. So when you're a teenager, you know, you're cynical and <laughs> you don't pay much attention to children's uh, programming. But but he, 
that he studied. He came to Pittsburgh a couple months before the filming began in Pittsburgh and went to the Fred Rogers Center in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. There's a an archive in uh, on the campus of St. Vincent's College in Latrobe. There's a Fred Rogers Center where all the tapes are where all of the interviews, everything that Fred has written, speeches he's done, a lot of the props, the trolleys there, is all there to be used for future study by people who are studying children or psychologists or people who are putting together a television program. It's open to the public. It's called the Fred Rogers Center, and you can Google that and, and find out more about it. And also, downtown Pittsburgh, if any of your listeners ever find themselves in Pittsburgh, there's a, uh, it's called the Heinz History Center. Um, and it's a history of Pittsburgh. And in that museum, it's a museum of sorts, but it has much more than just relics. You can, you can walk around and see the history of Pittsburgh. And how Pittsburgh served the world through its steel production and the sports teams and a very famous television program that went out across the world, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And a set of the neighborhood is there. Our original set you can see in person. So if you're ever in Pittsburgh, go to the Heinz History Center. That's a uh, a must for any Rogers fan. <laughs> And John Hines wasn't he? A, he, was, he was a good supporter of of, of Fred. Oh, oh yes, the, the Hines family. That's the uh, the ketchup family. You know the the pickles, ketchup. Mm-hmm. Hines is the Hines uh, started in Pittsburgh. John Hines, you know, four generations ago, settled in in Pittsburgh and started making ketchup, and it grew into a you know, world now, world renowned uh, food manufacturer. But John Hines, actually, Fred was uh, the godfather for John Hines' third son. Oh. Um, so they're very good friends. And, and John Hines was very instrumental in helping establish the co- our company, which was called at that point Family Communications. Now it's called the Red Rogers Productions. And uh, he helped Fred. Put together a nonprofit company so we can produce Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. He was a senator. Uh, yeah, from Senator Hines and his uh, wife John Teresa. Hines. Yeah, and the, and the Hines family has been so um, generous to Pittsburgh. Uh, they 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 have a there's a, a theater in Pittsburgh called Hines Hall. There's a the Hines uh, uh, Field was where the Steelers play. It's, it's it's there's a lot of gener- generous families in, in Pittsburgh from the old school that have helped Pittsburgh really survive. And Pittsburgh, you know, sometimes gets to be a comedian's joke, but it's so much more than that. You're surprised. I don't know if you've ever been to Pittsburgh, but it's it's quite a city, a beautiful city. And uh, and Fred always wanted to stay basically in his hometown to create the neighborhood. He had offers to go other places, but he knew he wanted to produce it here, and, and, and we did. And this is my hometown, too, and, and I lived and moved around and when I was younger, L.A. and Honolulu and different places, but I ended up, ironically, in Pittsburgh doing what I wanted to do my life, to be in uh, in 
so-called showbiz. (laughs) (laughs) It's not, it's, it's, it's a part of showbiz, but it's Mm -hmm. a very serious part of showbiz. Mm -hmm. Now, are you a fan of jazz? Now, are you a fan of jazz or did you learn to be a fan of jazz? No, no, before my, my favorite, before I even knew Fred, I, I remember going to see Dave Brubeck uh, when he was in town before I was involved with the, the neighborhood. And the person I love more than anything, the best singer in the world, I think, is Ella Fitzgerald. Now, this is a different type of jazz. You know, it's not hard rock jazz. It's, right. It's, um, but I always liked Duke Ellington and the, the classic jazz people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tony, we had Tony Bennett on the program uh, once too, and he he could be a, he's a jazz singer, but he also is pop too. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I remember I, when Tony Bennett was on the, the program, he's an artist, and he drew. As I'm sitting here talking to you on my office wall, there is a sketch of Lady Elaine Fairchild, one of the puppets on the program. In the course of the sketch he, of the segment he was in, he sketched a picture of Lady Elaine, and I have it. It says Benedetto. He signed Benedetto. Really? He didn't sign Tony and, Bennett? He went... But, Benedetto, that's what he signs his, his pictures with. Okay. Uh, but he was such a, such a nice man, and... Um, but I remember picking him up and taking him to the studio, and and I said, "Oh, Mr. Bennett, uh, there's a song that I oh I think you should record." And I can't remember what it was now, but I loved it. And I told him the name of the song. I wish I could remember, but I can't. My point being that what he said when he heard the name of the song, he said, "You know, I think I'll let Frank do that one." <laughs> 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 meaning, meaning Frank's a lot to. Uh, but he's such a nice man, and was a, and when we were taping the segment, uh, I remember into the studio uh, came uh, Dizzy Gillespie. He was in town, and he he came out to say hello to to Tony. So we had Dizzy in the studio too to say hello to Tony. So it was quite a quite a gathering. But our pianist Johnny Costa was a master, a master. He could do anything, and. He and Fred were quite a team because they were both musicians, played by ear, both of them. And Johnny was remarkable. I don't know if you know the the pianist. His name is Peter Duchin. Do you know that? I do, do not. Know no. no, no, no. Uh, there's a, no. It's Peter Duchin is Eddie Duchin's son, who was a famous pianist. But I'm thinking of Peter Nero. Peter yeah. Nero is a pianist too, who who does a lot of. Uh, Pops concerts and so forth. Well, Johnny Costa and Peter Nero played in a club in New York City called The Embers, and they alternated each week. And Peter Nero, who's a master, said of Johnny Costa, Johnny's got the talent, I've got the drive. You know, and that says a lot when you want to make it anywhere. You know, it's it's 90% drive, I think, sometimes to, to you know, the talent, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have that drive, mm-hmm. that really... And, you know, Fred had that, too. He had a drive and a determination and a 
he knew exactly what he wanted to do and he did it. And he, when he wanted to do something, he was really straight ahead in that. I don't. That's a good lesson too, David. I don't know anybody who worked as long and as hard as you and Fred did, and you kept it fresh, and you did it decade after decade. It, it, you know, I think that's because you love what you're doing, mm. and you feel you have a purpose. It wasn't, you know, of course we got paid, but we didn't get paid, you know, the George Clooney salary. But, but nevertheless, we were doing something, especially Fred was doing something, it was a mission. It was a, more than a job. It was a mission. Because I felt we were doing something to help children and families. And I think we did. You succeeded. You, know, you succeeded big doing. time. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because yeah. we did work hard. And I not only... Many weekends. I'm sorry, David, but not only have you... Uh, you know, inspired all the kids, but you've also inspired educators like myself. So I just want to say thank you. And it has been such an honor to speak with you tonight. Well, thank you both for, for doing your homework. You well, we do have to thank you. And I forgot about it. We do have to thank you so much. And Sam has learned so much tonight. Yes. I'm going to take, take everything you've said with I'm, me for my whole life. I'm going to show him YouTube clips of Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. <laughs> Well, if you want to, uh, why don't you send me your addresses to my home, and I'll send you autographed pictures. Ooh, you I hear can, that? I'd love that. I'd love that. Oh. I'd have to. Yeah. First of all, and I can give you, I can give you my address. Uh, you can edit this out sure. if you like. Sure. <laughs> yeah, we you might want us to do that. We're going to make a speedy delivery to the speedy delivery king. <laughs> yes, this is awesome. Dreams are coming true. <laughs> Sure. But here's the uh, here's the address. It's David Newell, mm-hmm. N E W E L L, one two three. And send me if you want some autographs for your wives, children, aunts, uncles. Just give me a mm-hmm. list of names. And We'd all. love that. Now one okay. two three. That that's your real address. One two three. Because it's so <laughs> academic. Well, that's, that's what you. Yeah, it is one two three. And and I'll also send you. A, a copy of uh, uh, there's a, a a DVD called Speedy Delivery. They'll send you a copy of that too. Is that the documentary about you? Yeah. About about me? Yeah. Yeah, I was looking all over for it. I couldn't find it streaming, so that would be amazing. Oh yes, I have it. I can send you a couple copies of it, and you can uh, you can have them. That'd be awesome. Yeah, so just send me. Just send me your addresses and the names. Okay. You know, put make, and I'll uh, I'll put a package together for you and send it. It might take me a couple of weeks. Oh, take your time. We'll 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 send be- you some stuff as well. And this has been a great okay. great time on the Nostalgia Cafe. Now, being a cafe, what's your favorite drink? You mean actual? I mean, alcoholic or non-alcoholic? I want to know what David (laughs) Newell drinks on a Friday night after a long production (laughs) schedule. Yeah, I don't, don't, you know, actually, it's either coffee or Diet Coke. (laughs) 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 Um, But but, uh, I like like coffee, but I also, if you would take a, a... 
when you said favorite drink, I didn't think of alcohol. I David, thought right away. David, back in the day, love, jazz musicians, after the show on Friday or something, what did you enjoy drinking? I, I enjoy Johnny Walker Black. <laughs> but but I, I frankly haven't had one for months. You know, I don't I don't drink alcohol that often, but uh, but I do drink Diet Coke. And probably Johnny Walker is better for you if you drink it. <laughs> <laughs> My wife's listening as well, and she she's agreeing. She's she's absolutely agreeing. Awesome. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that uh, we, I got a hold of you, and I hope the recording went well. I, I, I guess it did. Yeah, um, it's going phenomenal. Right. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and please send me your uh, your info, and you have uh, my information. If you ever want to do part two, let me know. Oh, I love it. want to talk about something specific. Uh, Especially when your book oh, comes and, out. And I'll, I'll say... Yeah, I, 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 yeah, it's going to be a while. You may have to wait a little bit, but at any rate, I'll, I'll send you some information, and uh, but send me your contact first, and I'll get, I'll put together a care package for all of you. If you need others, you can always get a hold of me. And David, you, you knew we were going to ask this of you, man. So before you go, can we hear it just once? Oh, the speedy delivery song. Oh, you know it. Is that what you mean? Oh yeah, I do know it. <laughs> if there's a, here, here it goes. If there's anything you want, if there's anything you need, but Feely's delivery brings it to you here with speed. It's our speedy delivery is a speedy delivery, speedy delivery to you, Nostalgia Cafe. <laughs> Yes. You know we're children of the 70s and 80s. We love you so much. Thank you so much for your contribution to just entertainment and pop culture. Well, well, well thank you for delivering it to the next generation <laughs> too and keeping it and keeping us uh, keeping us uh, relevant so to speak. Yes. So anytime you want anything just just contact me and send me your addresses, okay? Thank, thank you, you Mr. McFeely. Much. Have a good okay, night. Okay, bye-bye. Sweet delivery. Bye. <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. So uh a chairperson has ended this oh, conference. You yeah. will now Well then. We're good. So did we that go was our over first show. Yeah, I have a question. Did we go over the fifteen minute mark? We did. Yeah. <laughs> Man, David <clears throat> Newell is ten minutes to say goodbye. <laughs> Nicest guy in the world, am I right? Oh my, it's Mr. Feely. It is, Mr. Feely. No doubt, dude. Hey, listen, brother, Dan Morrow, uh, to mark this occasion, this is episode one, right? This is episode one, yeah. I brought you a present. Did you really? I wrapped it in toilet paper. Is that what this is? That's what this is right here, this whole time. I know. I saw you looking at it. Oh Go God. ahead. Does he have his own little first aid kit with him? Well, no. Should but I close my eyes? What I do have, <laughs> what I do have, is possibly our first Instagram <laughs> post because we'll have to take a picture afterwards. What is? You see, um, my kids and I, we like to put stuff together, and and when we can do something for a good person such as yourself, we just do it. We just do it. So in honor of this episode, I have uh, met. That's right. That's right. Made out of perler beads, Mister Rogers. Dude, can can. Two, I'm a 40-something. What are you? 
I'm 38. 38. 1983. Can 240-somethings be so friggin' mushy right now? (laughs) You, bro. I got tears out of my eyes. It's Mr. McFeely, Mr. Rogers. The best neighbor I ever had, dude. Best neighbor I ever had. This, this dead air is courtesy of uh, the beautiful Karen taking a picture of us. Yeah, it's a it's, magnet. You can uh, put stuff. You can put the dude, list of our upcoming it. guests. Oh, am I? Well, we'll we'll take another one. All right, ready. That that's fine. That's okay. That's fine. I would normally wait till the show's over to do this, but <laughs> we do, do this while on there. Boom. Yeah, that's boom. It. Okay, let's 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 really put this in perspective. All right. All right, let's do it. It's our first show. We're we're nobodies, really. I mean, he would be a good pillar of Hamilton if yes. if you need another another guest. <laughs> but we just did our first show with his Mr. Rogers jackets in the Smithsonian. Mm. You know, him and Mr. McFeely. It, it, it's just I. It's this is television. Gold. Iconoclast. Yeah, this yeah. is amazing. Yeah, this is gold. And um and the, and he I know he's got stories. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just scratched the surface. I I really had to make it. I only had four or five questions. You see them right here. These were all the questions I had because we had to make this short. Yeah. Okay, we're running at an hour and eight minutes right now. <laughs> just a little a little above schedule. Yeah. I wanted. You and I talked about this through our text and stuff, where I wanted to have a show where we can have the guest come on and have as much fun when they hang up to to just reflect and just you know have. Do a you breather. think you think we were successful with Mister McFeely? I think we did. You know, he he was. What do you think? I think he wanted to keep on talking. <laughs> we we could have had him talk. All I kept looking at is that red light, hoping to God that it was actually on. And my OCD is like, is it, is it on? As long as this counter's going, I, I know it's on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm so glad you asked me to do this project. And, and as he's talking, I keep looking. That's why I had this there. So we, the can, screenshot. we had a voice. We had a face to go with the with the voice. Yeah. If you guys Google image Mr. McFeely, you're probably looking at the picture, the one with him and his finger up. And it's just a Speed great McFeely shot. Dude, you know what's so cool about this podcast is we are diving into a time pre-internet pre-cell phones just when people could talk laugh have a good time without staring at a screen and uh what a way to start man this is awesome this is awesome well we all hope you enjoyed this episode you can find us at at the nostalgia cafe it's it's uh underscored and all that kind of stuff but you know us, and we'll be putting links out there and stuff. For Check Instagram for Instagram. my awesome Mr. Rogers Perler B design. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll put mm-hmm. that up. We'll put that up with. Uh, he's going to give us merch and swag. We're getting all kinds of merch. I just. I, I just give merch to my kids. You saw what I sent you? I made these stickers up so I can have mm. something to send to the, to, to the guests. And with it is a little thank you card that I had made up with the logo on it. And. Yeah, just did it off of Vistaprint real quick, put the logo up there so we can have something, some little swag of our own. Yeah. But I think we're getting gift baskets and alcohol. Bro, we are getting a delivery from Mr. McFeely. Dude, ask Mr. McFeely what he drank, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That was was risque, but I think it ended up being okay. No, these guys, there's a book called The Good Neighbor, and you you got the book. I read it. And I've been listening to the audio version. It's it's narrated by LeVar Burton. And it's just amazing. They weren't saints. 
You know, and Fred Rogers was no saint, but he had empathy out the wazoo. He just had empathy, and that's what made him so special. If you stopped him on the street, I was reading, I was listening to this today. You stop him on the street, you ask for a picture. The first thing he'll do is say, well, let me have the camera, and I'll take a picture of you. (laughs) And he would take a picture of them. And there are many people who had pictures of themselves near a tree or on a park bench or something. And on the back, it says, photo taken by Fred Rogers. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Good stuff, dude. I'm I'm pretty happy with this one. And hey, any of you guys listening at home, I hope you enjoyed uh, David Newell. And uh, bro, I think we got a lot more to come. We're just getting started. He sang the speedy delivery song. You were going to ask him to just just say. I would. I just wanted to no, say. No, it. let's let's reflect. Yeah, let's yeah. reflect. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. You sit down. I we sit at the here at the desk. You're saying, oh no, you know, should I say ask him to say speedy delivery or something? Yeah, I know a lot of actors don't like doing that. And, and yeah. Stuff. And he said it like 32 times before. Before we even brought it up. Yep. Yeah. And then you were going to get him to say one more time, give me a speedy delivery. And he gave you the song. Full song. The song. Full song. Gave you the song. Yes. The song he's been singing since. Like No one gets the song. We got the song, bro. We got the song. So we're good. We're going to be, this show's going to be blocked because it's a copywritten song. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be pulled. Universal Music will take it. That's it. That's the end of the Nostalgia Cafe. (laughs) Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. No, but also one of your concerns was you were watching other interviews and we really didn't delve into questions that, the cookie cutter questions. Yeah, I mean, who yeah, really? I, I I felt like I knew this guy when I got him on the air because I knew I read so much about him. Where we could talk about the Robert Kennedy assassination, we could talk about the Margaret Hamilton guest, which was a great question that you brought up. What was his best delivery? Mm. And it was it, it just it was a good answer up. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Batman worked for him. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Here's the joke. Here's the the joke. He, he was a prankster. Mm-hmm. Okay, Michael Keaton was a prankster. And I don't think he had it in him to say the joke, to say what he did. Oh, really? When Fred Rogers opened up the closet, there was an adult blow-up doll in the closet. Oh. And Fred just looked at it, laughed, and danced with it. <laughs> And yes, then, and then put it back in the closet. Oh, perfect! You know, I don't think I could get Mr. McFeely to tell me that story, but that was the story where he was just—he just loved humor, and he got it. The the only thing he could relate with his own kids were was Monty Python. Oh, really? Yeah, because his humor was a little different than his the humor of his sons, but they both loved Monty Python. Well, who doesn't? Yeah, Mr. McFeely. Yeah. Okay, next week is Tom Hanks, Henry Winkler. <laughs> oh, That's, man, where yeah. do we go from here? I don't know. Dude, don't that know. was this awesome. Thank start. you for inviting me on here. This Absolutely. is a good, good time. We just spoke to Mr. McFeely, and he had a good time with us. So all good in the neighborhood. Take it easy, everybody. <laughs>